Ladies and gentlemen, to those among you who are easily frightened, we suggest you turn away now. To those of you who think they can take it, we say, welcome to the madhouse. Welcome to this very strange episode of the Madhouse Podcast. My name is Jimmy, and as you can probably hear, I'm not with Joey today. I'm hauled up in my bedroom on the end of the phone. Yeah, we are isolated today. I'm all right, thank you, Jimmy. How are you? Have you got the Rona yet? Have I got? Have you got the Rona yet? I don't think so, but I'm, I'm I'm indoors just in case. Yeah, so are we. I'm isolated for now, with as everyone has been told to by uh, Mr. Prime Minister. Yeah. I'm homeschooling some children. Some children? Are they your children? Yeah, two. And they're both mine. They live with me. Good. <laughs> I'm not just uh, going around the street offering services to homeschool people's kids. That would be irresponsible in a pandemic of the plague. Mate, I've not been outside for like five days. Is that mandated for other reasons? A <laughs> uh, bit of both. Bit of both. We're doing the film The Boy from 2016, directed by William Brent Bell and written by Stacey Menier. Or Menier. Okay. Yeah. What did you think of this film? Do you know what? I think it's bloody good. You do? I think it's a really good film. I. Um, on the, f- I think it's average. I think people tore it apart too much, and I think some other people praise it too much. I liked it. I'm not saying I didn't like the film. I'm just saying it's not a masterpiece, and it, it's not shit either. No, it's not supposed to be a masterpiece, but it's 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 one of them sleeper films that can go unnoticed for quite a long time. Yeah, and then and then you watch it and you think, oh, this is well, all right. This is kind of the sort of similar haunted doll type thing, but then it turns out we're fucking not. Yeah, it had a twist, and some people did not like the. I don't think they didn't like the twist. I think that some people say it was obvious. I who are these people? Uh, just other reviewers and other people. You know, when you're researching a film, you come across people's opinions. Well, they're nah. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. Sure. Let's let the figures speak for themselves. Yeah, anyway, Jimmy, okay. because this film was uh, made for the bargain figure of ten million, and it cool. brought in sixty-four point one million. Not bad. There's a sequel out as well. Yeah, I mean, sixty-four point one. People might think, oh, that's not that much, but this is a January released horror film. Yes. Which usually is a sweep-under-the-rug moment for horror in January. Okay. So that's not bad. And, yeah, like you say, a sequel's coming out. Or is it out? Came out. It's yeah, it came out. Yeah, it came out on the 21st of Feb. Brahms is oh, back. that's not long ago at all. No, it's not long ago. Last month. Yeah it, came, yeah, it came out on my birthday. I wanted to go see it, but there was no cinemas around here showing it. Of course you're if not. If you can imagine... 
allowed to step outside right now anyway. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it was set for a February 26th release, but it was moved forward to January. I don't know if that's because it was ready or because... Uh... Well, I don't know why. I'd be speculating and guessing, but okay. it was moved. Yeah, first presented with the name The Inhabitant. Shit. What do you think of that? Well, that answered my question. I, I agree, <laughs> because if you call it The Inhabitant, it gives away the whole twist. Exactly. Nearly made with the title In a Dark Place. But that's too vague. I think that's shit as well. Yeah, that's naff. Jane Levy was initially the lead role for as Greta. And Jane no. Levy was in a show called Suburgatory. Do you remember the shitty, annoying adverts that were around for that a long time on E4? I remember the adverts. I never watched the show. Yeah. Um, I don't like that real face, so she'd be shit at this. Yeah, she was in a horror film called Don't Breathe in 2016. Uh, but yeah. I've not seen it. Have you seen it? I have seen it, yes. Is it good? Mm, it's all right. Okay. It's let, down, but it's let down by the acting. Oh, dear. All right, okay. So it's probably a good job she wasn't in it, especially since we've got Laura Cohen. Absolutely smashing. Maggie from The Walking Dead. Yep. Lovely. Fantastic. The second actress we've had, one of their films featured in this podcast who's been in The Walking Dead because... Uh, our old friend whose name eludes me right now. <laughs> it's, it's, well, it's a lovely store of birds. Oh, of course it is. What? That's me and names. That's embarrassing. You're going to have to edit that bit out. <laughs> yeah, I really like store of birds as well. Just a mind fuck for the moment there. Anyway, uh, you can't edit audio anyway, Jimmy. I think we'll just leave it in. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Anyway, they, uh, the name was already changed to the boy by the time Greta came on. So I don't think they ever seriously thought... I said Greta, didn't I? I meant Laura. But I don't think they seriously were ever going for the, uh, the any of the previous names. Right. Are you ready for a plot slot, Jimmy? Yeah, let's do it. Why not? You've written another banger for the pl- plot slot. I may say I like it. Thanks very much. I did it yesterday afternoon. Did you? Yeah. You're, you're, uh, you were in lockdown a few days before the rest of us, weren't you? Yes, because uh, yeah, because Nat might have uh, caught it, so we are quarantined. We've been basically quarantined since Saturday. Shit. Well, I'm going to speak to you both about it in another isolation special coming up. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. This weekend cause sometime. Yeah, because I'm, I'm on the verge of losing my marble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a few people are. I've got some other guests to call, and I'm obviously going to try and bug Andy and Luke again, but they didn't answer the phone last time, so that'll be a gamble. Anyway, (laughs) plot slot. Time is going. Off you pop. Right. An American woman arrives at a grand English manor. She has a bit of a nosy around, uninvited, and meets Malcolm, the grocery boy slash man, who attempts some classic British flirting. The mystery American, Miss Greta Evans, is there to be a nanny to the to Mr. and Mrs. Hilsha's son, Brahms. And if you haven't guessed already, Brahms is a doll. Yes. Greta is slightly taken aback by the fact the child she's there to look after is a doll and laughs as if, it, as if it's some kind of joke. Mrs. Hilsha doesn't take kind to that at all. She shows Greta how to wake up Brahms in the morning and get him dressed ready for his homeschooling. Mrs. Hilsha explains Brahms likes poetry. But it has to be read loud and clear. He also likes music, which must also be 
played loud. That's uh, a bit strange. Alarm bells at this point should be ringing now as Mr. Hillshire mysteriously explains to Greta that he knows what this all looks like on the outside, but he says our son is indeed here with us. As the elderly couple take Brahms, tuck Brahms in bed while saying a prayer, Greta looks on confused. Miss Hillshire, after a minute alone with Brahms, tells Greta that he has chosen her for the job. Lucky, lucky girl. Indeed. The Hillshires are off on holiday. They appear, to be, <laughs> they appear to be acting a bit more strange than usual, though. Mr. Hillshire gives Greta a warning regarding the treatment of Brahms, while Mrs. Hillshire offers an unknown apology. Greta's first instinct, as everyone's would be, since the elderly couple's departure is to just pop Brahms on a chair with a blanket over his head. Yes, we've come across many films sort of this, or especially in the last one, Creep, where the alarm bell in the back of your head's ringing. Yeah, definitely. It's like, you need to f***ing leave. And she hasn't, she hasn't left. She has not left. So, anyway, there's plenty more opportunities. But also, I kind of, I get where she's coming from. Easy money. Didn't want to look after a doll and do all this shit. Yeah, I'm just going to sit around his house and drink, mate. And you're going to pay me. That's, true. That's a good point. So, and in fact, she go, they leave and she goes and makes herself a PB&J. That's peanut butter and jelly for us English people. Yep. <laughs> And she has a bit of wine, and she wanders out to where she left Brahms, only to find that the blanket has been removed from the doll's head. She then is woken in the night by strange childlike noises. She follows the sounds to a family portrait. Out comes a hand and grabs her throat. She wakes up in a bed, and of course, she thinks it was just a dream. It was just a dream. It was just a dream. That was ridiculous. Anyway, Malcolm arrives dropping some more classic flirting straight out of the book of Hugh Grant. But manages to squeeze in the fact that Brahms had died in a fire 20 years earlier and soon after the blaze, the doll appeared. Greta begins to get freaked out by the doll, even more so when she realises her hair has been cut and her dress and necklace have vanished. So Greta goes looking for it and she wanders into the attic and she gets trapped and she misses her date with the suave English character Malcolm. She is startled in the attic by a dark figure, falls backwards and knocks herself out cold. When she wakes in the morning, she sees it's just an old suit jacket. When she gets out of the attic, she finds her bedroom has been trashed. She calls Malcolm up on the blower to search the house but they find nothing. Greta wakes from another Brahms nightmare. She opens her door to find her shoes are there, and Brahms is across the hall, perched on his bed, not where she left him. The phone rings. It's a child on the other end asking Greta why she won't follow the f***ing rules. She sees someone leave something outside her door again, and a child's voice says, I promise I'll be good. So maybe now you leave, right? Just get out of the house and go. Yes, another opportunity for her to leave, but no, nope, she stays. Greta comes to realise she must follow the rules left by Mr. and Mrs. Hilsher or Brahms will treat her bad. It cuts then to the elderly couple walking down a beach and putting rocks in their pockets and then walking into the sea. Oh, 
It's not a holiday. It's a suicide pact. Ah, shit. Yeah. Greta then begins to follow the rules and look after Brahms correctly. Except the last rule. The kiss goodnight. <sighs> That's got to be the most important rule. <laughs> Greta blows Malcolm off in Lovely. favor of staying in with Brahms. She now believes the doll is haunted and can move on its own accord. To prove this to Malcolm, she draws an outline around where the doll is sat. She leaves the room and knocks on the wall. The first time it doesn't work and Malcolm thinks Greta is a nut job, obviously. But the second time it works and the doll has moved to a different spot. Creepily behind the door. The door. Yep. Greta and Malcolm finally get it on. Down to go, down to go. Uh, but guess what? Brahms is not a happy little dolly. Down to go, down to go. <laughs> Music begins to play from downstairs. Brahms is there. Not where Greta had left him safely tucked up in bed. Ah, uh, you see, I'm I'm trying to keep some of the sound effects that Andy put so masterfully into the last episode, but I'm just not as I'm not up to his standards. Uh, well, you've got a lot of time to practice. <laughs> yeah, you would think. <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm warns Greta to go and spend the night in town. She refuses because Brahms has chosen her to look after him. Uh, that wouldn't matter to me if a psychopath chooses me. That's even more reason to leave. Malcolm blurts yeah. out that a little girl used to come and play with Brahms every day, but one day she never made it home. They found her in the woods with a skull crushed in. Police wanted to speak to Brahms, but by the time they got to the manor, it was already on fire and they never found the killer. Oh. Greta hears the sound of snooker balls being struck. She suspects it's Malcolm, but when she enters the snooker room, it's her crazy ex who she has a restraining order against. He wants her to come back to America with him. The douchebag passive-aggressively threatens Greta. So she goes and asks Brahms for help because she thinks it's all supernatural. Yeah. The dickwad X is awoken by blood dripping from a message on the wall above where he slept the message. Get out. He kicks off at Greta. Malcolm, who's just outside for some reason that we don't know exactly, runs to Greta's aid. Dick Cheese grabs Brahms and smashes the doll's head right on the edge of a chair. So I just want to point out we've not mentioned the ex's name because I couldn't remember it at the time when I was writing this. Is it Cletus? It could possibly be Cletus. <laughs> Should we just call him but, Cletus? Uh, noises begin to come from the walls. Lights flicker, pictures picture frame shakes, a mirror shatters, throwing the douchebag X to the ground. Behind the mirror is a passageway, a child's voice can be heard, and out climbs a man wearing a porcelain child's mask. It's Brahms! Uh-oh, he attacks Malcolm and stabs Greta's ex in the neck with the remains of the shattered doll face. He grabs Greta, but Malcolm manages to twat Brahms on the head and escape. Brahms chases them through the house, but they can't get away because Brahms has been living within the walls of the manor. And he's many shortcuts. Greta and Malcolm escape into the walls and discover where Brahms has been living for the last 20 years. Greta finds the suicide note from the Hilshers. She realises they were never coming back and that she was a gift for their son. Brahms. Bastards. Malcolm acts as a decoy to help Greta escape. 
She legs it through the woods, but decides to go back like a complete twat and gets or torn hero. up. Like a what? Or, or like a hero. D- well, hero or Yeah, all right. Well, she goes to get torn up, takes Brahms on and saves Malcolm. Greta shouts at Brahms to go to bed, but he won't let her go until she kisses him goodnight. The perfect opportunity for Greta to drive a screwdriver into his chest. Yep. Brahms is left dying on the floor with half his scarred, burnt face showing through a broken mask. Greta gets Malcolm out and they drive to safety and live happily ever after. But wait, Jimmy. What? Who is that in the walls gluing back together the Brahms doll? Yeah, none of us are as good as Andy was. Although that was... Oh, shit, that is the closest we've ever been. That is the timer right there. Nice. Like, bang on the dot, 10 minutes there, man. That was... uh, I'm impressed. Smooth. Well, plot slot finished. Yeah, quarantine is apparently a good thing for writing the plot slot. Obviously, it gets your timing right as well. Yeah, what you what you don't know is I sat here with a timer reading it all out. <laughs> I can imagine you like pacing around your living room doing line by line dramatically as well. Yeah, and just a cape and a top hat. Yeah, I think you would call it hamming it up. Hamming it up to the max. <laughs> right, should we uh should we piss off the frights and delights? Yeah, let's do it. Alright. See you there. So, I'm sure we're all feeling a little li- like Brahms living within our walls. So, take a little sip of what you've got. I've got absinthe and I've got cider. And we're going to go with some Frights and Delights. Nice. I'm just on the cider and I am worried because I've, after tonight, I'm probably going to have like four cans and, and no reason to go to the shop. Well, that's reason to go to the shop to get more cans. Yeah, but I don't think that's going to cut it with the guidelines and the, the police running around. Well, you got you got a lot of police down there? They have actually, if, I know for a small town, yeah, the car's been driving around asking people why they're out. Yes, I did hear that, actually. Yeah, someone, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nat's mum said that there was people about doing that, yeah. It's because we're in a town and people think they can just do whatever the hell they want, I think. Yeah, because that's true. Because it's a small yeah. town. People just make skate parks and stuff yeah just just make sure when you go to the shop you're getting cans but you're also getting a shitload of pasta and toilet rolls yeah yeah well sammy works for the nhs and she has the lanyard which you need to get into the early shopping so i was yeah. joking about well you need to get down there at eight in the morning and buy me some <laughs> some cider but in practice that's really not fair to the actual nhs workers that need it that time to get in there so that's not happening I'm sure they're probably just getting some cider in as well, aren't they? Yeah, they're I know, but the... they have uh, also just come off a 12-hour shift treating dying people. Whereas I've That's been true. sat at my house teaching my kids how to count. Well, you, you're being a teacher, so, you know, you're you're teaching, <laughs> you're moulding young minds. <laughs> yeah, and what I'm moulding them into, though, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> 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 right, I'm going to start off. The Frights and Delights. Are you ready? Yeah, go on. The doll used in this film for Brahms was used in a few pranks on set. 
This resulted in one actor or actress, they didn't name them, but they yeah. threw the doll out of their trailer in anger, causing damage to the prop after it was sneakily placed outside the bathroom in their personal trailer. <laughs> and uh, it needed repairing. So that's... I'm, I'm going to say that's a delight. I, the problem, the person who was scared probably wouldn't see it as a delight. Do you know what? I'm going to have a little pop, a guess that who put it in the toilet, whose toilet. Okay. So I think, I think it was either the Mr. Heelshire. He put it in the trailer of uh, Mrs. Heelshire. I can't remember (laughs) her name. Yeah. And she got, she got annoyed and chucked it out. Yeah. Or it was, uh, Lauren Cohen put it in the toilet of uh, the guy who plays Malcolm. Mm, I think, uh, I don't know. I've seen Malcolm a lot in Man in the High Castle. The, not, is, that any, is that any good? It's amazing. Is it really? Because, uh, yeah, I might have to start watching it like soon. He, he's in that a lot and he's a hell of a lot better in that. Oh, so really? So much okay. better. And oh. the... He doesn't seem, you know, the kind of stuff when you see him, they have to go through certain things on screen. I don't think he's the type of person who would freak out at a doll. I think he would go along with it. Okay. Laura, is it Laura? Laura Cohen? Lauren. Is it Lauren? Yeah, it's Lauren. Okay. Well, she would, uh, she's seen some shit (laughs) in The Walking Dead. Yeah. I'm guessing there's a lot of pranks on a show like that, so she'd be fine with it, I think. So I think you're right with your first guess. It was the old geezer and the uh, the old geezette. Yeah, it was... It, oh, okay, yeah, it was probably the old woman who got pranked, but then again, it could have been, I'm saying, either one of them three who pranked her. Yeah. I think it could have yeah. been the old guy that got pranked as well, but we could guess all day. No, no, no yeah, we could guess all day, you're right. <laughs> right, um, what you got? Um, I've got a lovely, I think, well, I think it's a delight, but it's the, um, like, I don't know how you first saw this film, but I saw it as it was going to be supernatural. Yes, that was my impression when I started watching it. Yes, it was going to be a haunted doll, and I sort of missed little, little key points, like when um, Mr. Heelshire takes... Uh, get her outside to empty the rat traps. Yeah, and he's, and uh, we mentioned it in the plot slot about how he says, "Oh, this looks odd from the outside, but in fact, our son is actually here with us." Yeah. So, at yeah. uh, uh, a quick glance, you get that as, "Oh, these are poor people who are who've lost their son, and they believe that this doll." is a replacement for their son and they know they're being weird, but it's actually, it was a very clear warning to Greta that their son is actually living in the house. Yeah. It was a literal statement rather than yeah. being like a, a grieving person going, Oh, they'll, they'll always be with us. Yeah. It was a literal, he'll, he'll always be here type thing. And, um, mummy, she also, she, when, when they, when they leave for their holiday, and she whispers like "I'm so sorry" or something to to Greta as she's leaving. Yeah, it's because they're they're offering up Greta as a oh a sac- I don't know it's not a sacrifice he doesn't want to kill Greta it's I don't a mummy just... slash girlfriend to have sex with I think 
Yeah, he wants to he wants to sex her up, and also um, have her kiss him goodnight and make sandwiches. Yeah, and I think that I I read that the film was going to be a lot darker than that. Yeah, and it's it was PG thirteen. This film is it? F- is it? Yeah. Oh, because yeah, because it was going to be a, it was going to be rated R because I think it was going to it was going to be more obvious that Brahms was actually there to capture and rape Greta. Yeah, so in the UK it would have been eighteen. Yeah, I think it was the the, uh, the first draft of the script had a few more bits in it. It was more of a uh, a getting Brahms laid spin on it. <laughs> yeah, had a getting Brahms a carer and possible partner angle that we actually ended up with. Yeah, so it was like when Brahms steals her dress and necklace while she's in the shower, the, she was going to be walking around naked. Yeah, and he was gonna sort of come out and pounce on her, oh dear, and rape her. But then they changed it she, that she was covered and that she'd go up into the attic that would then save her from being uh, horribly raped by this man living in the walls. Yes, that's um, that's a rape, rape is one of the things that in films I don't really see the point of most of the time. Well, it's a it's a difficult. It's a difficult uh, subject because no one condones it, obviously. Yeah, but then we don't condone murder, but in a horror film, I expect it. Like, rape just seems like this easy kind of, oh, look how edgy we are tool. And it's it's more people have suffered from rape than they have brutal murder with a chainsaw. Well, yeah, but uh, I think rape is more of a true, true horror that happens in our society and it should be, I don't know if I'm going to be saying this, it should be shown on the films because it is really a true, true horror. You know what I mean? You're saying you shouldn't pretend it doesn't happen or doesn't exist. Yes. Yeah. But I can see both sides of the argument and I I can see the whole pretend it doesn't exist, but uh, sorry, don't pretend that it doesn't exist. Does that make sense? Is that too much of a double negative? You know what I mean? Don't yeah. Don't pretend it doesn't happen. Yeah. But uh, it just uh, it never sits well with me in films. It's like um, murdering babies in films. Sometimes I'm like, oh, come on. The only time it's ever been okay is the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Well, you see, I'm, I'm fine with the murdering of the babies and the children and stuff. That's fine with me. Children in in films getting murdered in in horror films is um it sits fine as something to watch for me. It's some reason it's babies getting killed and rape. I just can't watch it. Yeah, I have to. yeah, right. yeah. But again, if you if you ever watch anything like like I don't know if you ever watch Forensic Files or anything like that. Yeah. And like you know you've got Forensic Files and it's like three hundred and sixty episodes or something, and you're guaranteed. 90% of these episodes, it's like, oh, yes, these this person was sexually assaulted. But do you think in horror films, it's kind of like, uh, it's not just part of the plot? Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's not yeah. just part of the story. Like in Forensic Files, it'll be part of what's happened and they're trying to find the guy who did it. In, yeah. uh, in horror, they really kind of hammer up and get graphic and it's kind of like, uh, I get that sometimes there's a glorifying of murder, obviously, in horror films. But I think people get that where there's something strange about the rape bits for me. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, right, we've made this quite brutal, 
scene here. This is really good. How can we make it even more brutal? I know. Why doesn't this man rape this man or this man rape this woman? This woman rape this man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any combination. Been... Yeah. So we've agreed rape's bad. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm glad Thank we did you. that. <laughs> 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 did you see that the book that Greta was reading to Brahms was Jane Eyre? Adrian Eyre? No. No, it was <laughs> Adrian Eyre. <laughs> she was reading a book, the book Jane Eyre, a section right. of it to Brahms. Okay. Part of the plot in Jane Eyre is that there's an insane woman who lives in the attic of her house. Oh, okay. And attacks her husband who lives uh, downstairs. And his right. new woman doesn't know that she's there. Oh, okay. So it's kind of a, a similar going along those lines. Uh, the only other thing I've got is the story is apparently inspired by a Spanish film called Familiar Collateral in 2007. Both films are based on a nanny taking care of a toy that haunts them in some way. Oh. But that's all I've got for the frights and delights. Oh, no, I haven't. I've got a little bit about Doll Island. Have you got anything oh, else? Oh, about, about Doll Island? A Doll Island. Lovely. A Doll Island? Is that a boring island? An island? A Doll Island. With dolls on it. Oh, with dolls on it. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, so it's the uh, Isla de las Manecas, the island of dolls. In the 1950s, a man called Don Julian Santana found the body of a dead girl on his small island in the Isla de las Manecas. It appeared the young girl had got tangled in water lilies and drowned at the edge of a canal. The man found a doll floating nearby in the water and assumed it belonged to the girl. After he hung it from a tree as a sort of tribute to the girl, he started to hear footsteps, whispers and cries from the woods. Even when he was alone in his hut, miles away from any other people or civilization, He also heard pleas of, I want my doll. The terrified Santana began hanging more dolls that he found in the canal or anywhere else he could find them in an attempt to appease the spirit. Did he, um, did he, um, sorry to interrupt, did he, was he underneath the tree playing a sweet, sweet guitar solo? <laughs> I, I don't know what you're getting at, what, no, why? Because is it, well, you, isn't this man called Carlos Santana? Oh, Santana, yes. Yeah, probably, maybe he's related. <laughs> I can imagine Santana, a guy who lives on his own and under miles away, like some kind of, uh, guitar wise man. Yeah, he, he never speaks. He doesn't use his mouth. He just uses guitar licks to communicate with animals or wildlife, nature, the yeah. sea, but people his... who come, his Tesco delivery, whatever. <laughs> Santana, what are you doing? Oh, you're hanging up dolls. What are you doing that for? What dead girl? <laughs> oh, you're having a wank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've just finished. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Eventually, this turned into an obsession for Santana. 
and more and more dolls were hung from branches all over the island as the strange happenings continued to occur. Santana spent the next 50 years hanging dolls in the trees around his island as he tried in vain to keep the lost spirit happy. In 2001, Santana died. His body found in the same spot he found the girl over 50 years before. After this, the island became a hotspot for tourism, described by the locals as a charmed island instead of haunted. But despite this local attitude towards the island, visitors have reported hearing whispering and describing the area as eerie and dead. Ooh. And that's my little uh, real-life story for you with haunted dolls. I did message you about two, and you were like, no, we've already done them. So I, I chose this one. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously now we can't go there, but... Is it a tourist spot? Can you go there? It seems you can go to the island, yeah. It just seems like a, t- a small island. Yeah. With a, a bit of a canal through the middle of it. And uh, one guy lived there and he would grow, uh, I think it was fruit. I think all the trees were like fruit trees and he would harvest. I don't know how he came to the island. He came to own the island, sorry. But he used to just sell the, his wares at market. Oh, lovely. And play well, guitar for cash, probably, busking. Yeah, fair dues, fair dues. Got to start somewhere. So, I've gone on a bit of a different tip. Okay, what have you got? Well, I'm going to give you my top four intruders who have been found to be hiding in various people's walls. Okay. So, first up, we've got Carlo Canstellinos Ferrari. Can you say that again for me? Uh, Carlo Canstellianos Ferreri. Thank you. <laughs> right. Carlo first met Michelle Friedenberg Onion at a hospital in Washington, D.C., where they both worked. Carlo was a valet, while Michelle was a director of physical therapy. After meeting Michelle, the 32-year-old valet became obsessed and started stalking her. At some point, she left her keys unattended, and Carlo uh, swiped them. He made copies and then turned the keys without her knowing. One day, Carlo entered Michelle's home and set up a camera on a desk in her bedroom. Then whenever he would hear Michelle and her boyfriend come into the apartment, he would hide under the bed. He managed to do this for two days before the boyfriend finally caught him. Under the bed, Carlo had condoms, a latex, a latex gloves, a change of clothes and a power cord. So the same stuff we all usually keep under the bed. Standard. He was surprisingly arrested. When police searched his home, they found six framed pictures of Michelle another stack of unframed pictures and a video from her first wedding. Carlo had broken into the house of his victim's ex-husband to obtain the material. He was convicted and sentenced to just 38 months in prison. Just 38 months? Yeah, just 38 months of staying under someone's bed for two days. This is going to be made into a movie called, surprisingly, Under the Bed, and it's going to be co-directed by uh, one of the guys who did the bed. Blair Witch Project. All right, fair enough. That'd be good. Yeah, it could could go either way. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold that judgment. How are they gonna make a full film out of one guy uh, having a wank under a bed for two days? Well, have you seen? Um, there's two films I can think of: Phone Booth and Man on a Ledge. Phone Booth I've definitely seen, and is a very good film. It's uh, yeah. Colin Farrell. 
Yeah, it's just in a phone booth, isn't it? Yeah, but is is yeah. I don't see how they could do that with a guy under a bed having a wank with some latex gloves and a power cord. Well, we'll find out, hopefully, if they ever make it. Oh, yeah, we'll watch it. I'm not saying it's going to be bad. I'm just saying I, I, I couldn't make that film. Okay, so I'm going to give you uh, number three. Uh, it's a guy called Stanley Carter. Okay. In 2008, in Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania, the Ferentz family started noticing strange sounds in the house during the days leading up to Christmas. It wasn't f***ing Santa Claus. At first, Stacy Ferentz just assumed that the cats or one of her three children were making the noises. On Christmas Day, a few things went missing at two separate times. First in the afternoon, then in the evening. It was as if someone had broken into the house twice and stolen some of their Christmas presents, so the family notified the police. The following day, they found footprints in the closet of one of the bedrooms, which led into the attic. They called the police again, and the police brought a dog with them. In the attic, they found 21-year-old Stanley Carter. He was wearing young Stacy's sweatshirt and sneakers and her daughter's pants. Carter had been staying with the residents of the other part of the duplex connected to the family's home. They had asked him to leave and discovered him missing on December 19th. Presumably, that's when Carter entered the shared attic space. In July 2009, he was convicted and sentenced to just 23 months in jail. Shit, that's weird. It's very weird, very, isn't it? Very, weird. Okay, you, you think that's weird? Yes. Here's another weird one. Okay. Tatsuko Hirokawa. Nice pronunciation. Thanks. In 2008, a 57-year-old man living in Katsuya, Katsuya, Japan, was convinced that someone was repeatedly breaking into his home and stealing food. However, he didn't know how that was possible. The man was sure that he locked all the doors and windows when he left. Yet someone kept stealing food, so the man set up a surveillance camera that could send images to his cell phone. One day, while he was out, he saw that an intruder was lurking about his home. The man called the police, who arrived only to find the home securely locked. Once inside, they looked around the home and found 58-year-old Tetsuko Herukawa hiding in the closet. It turned out that the homeless woman had been living on the top shelf of the man's closet for about a year. Herakua had sne sneaked inside when the man left the house without locking the door. It is believed that the woman also squatted in other people's houses. She avoided detection by being incredibly neat and showering regularly while the man was out. How big is his f***ing closet? I just imagine it being just one of them standard little closets that you see with the shelf on the top and this woman just on the top in a blanket. She just folds up well. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's well, you're worrying me. I'm going to have to check, like, behind the books and the bookshelf in case this person just folded up neatly behind there. You've always you've always got to check who's, uh, who's in your house. Yeah. That's just wise advice. Anyway, I've got one more for you. Okay. Right, this is just simply about a woman called Tracy. She doesn't want to give her her uh, full name. Okay. So, Tracy was a single mother of five who lived in a house in Rock Hill, South Carolina. In September 2012, she started to notice, notice weird sounds coming from the attic and nails were popping out of the ceiling. Tracy and two of her sons went into the attic to investigate but didn't find anything out of the norm. Her children thought she was just being delusional, but Tracy was sure there was something going on and felt really uneasy. 
one night when Tracy was working on her laptop in the bedroom, a little bit of plaster fell on her from the movement in the attic. Another night at 2.30 in the morning, Tracy heard a loud noise and knew that someone or something was up in her attic. Tracy got her nephew to come look into the attic. And there in the back corner was Tracy's ex-boyfriend, whom she dated, yeah, whom she dated 12 years prior. It looked, 12 years. Okay. It looked like the unnamed ex had been living there. He's not been living there for 12 years. I was going to say. Yeah, I know, that would be f***ing mental. He's been living there for about two weeks. Just 90 days before that, he'd gotten out of prison. He went to prison because he stole this bird's car. Okay. And in the attic, they found cups of feces and urine. They also found a hole that he had cut so he could watch Tracy in her bedroom. Uh... Yeah, I know. It's absolutely disgusting. The ex-boyfriend fled and no report of him being caught could be found. So you might want to check your own attic before going to bed tonight. (laughs) (laughs) You say that, but I've had a couple of scares of my attic. Oh, okay. It turned out to be nothing. Right. But we, uh, one night, heard a massive loud bang, and we couldn't figure out what it was. Coming from the attic? I couldn't tell where it had come from. Right. But a few days later, I had to go into the attic, and we are in a semi-detached council house. And the, okay. the in between your attics, there's a, there's a brick divide. Yes. With a slight gap at the top. But in the corner, some brickwork had just collapsed. Nothing big, nothing major. Me and my dad fixed it. But that shit me up. Oh, hold on a minute. So you can you can get into your neighbour's attic through your attic? No, I oh. would have to knock through some brick. Oh, there's, there's not like a gap you can't see in there and see what's going on in their attic? No, you would have to climb right up to roof height with a torch, and I don't think that you could see very well. Like, the gap is not big at all. There's only a little gap to allow for movement of the house and the roof. Oh, right, okay, yes, I'm it, with it's you. It's like, it's inches, but it's not... You could get a hand through, maybe. Okay, yeah, I'm with that. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's a brick wall. Anyway, the corner would come down, and then uh, a couple of months ago, we kept hearing scratching in the night, and I didn't know what it was, and I... I've been up there, and there is nothing. There is no rats, nothing. I've moved all the boxes. I've checked everything. Can't find anything. Haven't heard the scratching since, but we heard it two nights in a row. Work us up. It's raccoons, mate. Raccoons. In Nottinghamshire. Yeah, raco- not in a, not, Nottinghamshire raccoons. <laughs> is that our new ice hockey team or something? We've already got the Panthers, yeah, that's, that's, and there's no Panthers around here either. <laughs> We got Nottingham Forest. That would be that's that's close because we used to have a forest. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit. That was a uh, thanks for that. You've made me uh, want to check my cupboards, my attic, check out well, if any of my ex girlfriends have got out of prison yet. True. Yeah, but you've got to think now in the in the, in this strange time that we live in, people are staying indoors. You know, it might not just be you alone in your uh, flat or house it could be someone else do you know what i mean they could be getting into to get away from uh coronavirus yeah you gotta get yeah. away from the coronavirus yeah <laughs> shall we shift on over 
Yes, please. To the next segment. Lovely. Which is the master of the macabre. <laughs> master of the macabre. Welcome to the master of the macabre. Every child needs to feel loved, but we are about to pick our favourite out of the lot and give our coveted medal to the best actor or actress in The Boy 2016. Jimmy, are you uh, on a one choice this week or a two choice or a three or four choice? Would you be impossible? Well, um, I'm on... I'm just on the one. I'm just on the one, straight up, just the one. Same here. So, uh, are we going to go... Will you go first, I go first, or do you want to do a countdown again and see if you can do it this time? No, let's not do a countdown because obviously I'm over the phone and it might be a bit weird. Let's do... Let's do... You You. you choose and then I'll... I'll chime in with mine. Okay. I'm going to say my honourable mention first, and that's Rupert Evans. Because he's the only other person in the film. Wow. <laughs> Pretty much. He's the, only, he's the only other person in the film that's got more than probably five or ten minutes. Yes. The real reason I want to mention him is because he's in Man in the High Castle and he is absolutely amazing in Man in the High Castle. So I don't want people to judge him on his performance in this because this was a very stilted, very, very... English straight-faced play-it-by-the-book role for him, I think. Okay. My choice for the winner is Lauren Cohen, who I had down as Laura Cohen, but apparently that's wrong, who is also, obviously, Maggie in The Walking Dead. Yeah, everybody loves... Well, I don't know. I absolutely love Maggie's... Uh, Lauren's character in uh, Walking Dead. Maggie, I think she's f***ing great. She's been there for a very long time. Oh, she, so... yeah, she's the one of those, apart from Rick... Is it only her and Rick that survived the whole thing? I know she only came in in season two, didn't she? Yeah, about that. She's not. She's not really in the later episodes as much. <laughs> Shit. Don't want to say anything about that. But as Maggie, she is great, and as Greta Evans, she was yeah really good. She's like, if you you're you're trying to get away from your ex-partner who's a bit of a dickhead and you go you go to England to take up a role as a, a nanny for these for some weird English old people and then you find out that actually it's a f***ing doll she did alright for a bit you know she held it together very well yeah I think she's amazing in this film like I say I think the film for me it's, it's an average film she's amazing in this uh, I can't say anything wrong about her as an actress or her character or her performance in anything I've seen her in. She's better as Maggie, but in this, yeah, she plays she plays the, the character very well. But and I'm to be happy. fair, with Maggie, she's had seasons to develop a character. Yeah, yeah. She gets to layer that stuff up yeah, uh, and have those experiences with yeah. that character well, to build her up more. Uh, you've yeah. seen season ten's finished now, right? Walking Dead. Uh, yeah. So I'm probably about to be able to watch season nine <laughs> on Prime. Yeah, I think is it so, good? Yeah. It is good. Yeah, it is good. I'm st- I'm still enjoying it. I still I still like it. I still really really love to to watch it. I still love love watching the Walking Dead. 
I think some people rip into it, but, and I ripped into earlier seasons, I think it's got better, because you convinced me to carry on watching, and it did get better. But the world, you can watch it for the world that they're in as well. It's always a bit of an attractive thing to watch. Not attractive as in nice to look at, obviously there's lots of dead blood and guts. It's an attractive prospect, there being another season in that world. Yeah, it's good to it's good to follow it on and see how everything's going. And I know people slag it off like, oh god, or oh, just another like, oh, just going killing zombies. But it's more than that. And it's if you've watched it from the start, you've read all read the comics along with it or whatever, and you, you can carry it on with all these characters. Characters aren't safe. You know, your favorite character could die. And I think that's the beauty of it, and hopefully that it, it will just keep going and going. And I know people think that it's got quite elaborate and a bit, a bit like over the top. But you know, you don't know what's going to happen in the zombie apocalypse. Maybe we will after COVID nineteen mutates once more, and then the dead start coming back to life. Yes. Oh, one last thing on the Walking Dead is I like the the characters. You've got um, people like Maggie and Daryl. Yeah. Uh, what's the woman's name who is friends with Daryl? They're really close. I've forgotten everyone's names because it's been Darryl. over like six months. Daryl's friends with the older lady who goes off on her own a lot. Carol. Carol. Yes. Yeah, sorry, I thought Darryl. you were just saying Daryl again. Yeah. No, it's Carol and Daryl. Carol and Daryl. Daryl, Daryl, and Coral. <laughs> All right. Okay. Shall we? Uh, shall we start talking about the Walking Dead and do the rating system? Yes. Yeah. Right. So here we go. Next up, we've got. The quarantined madhouse rating system. Yeah. Yeah, the madhouse rating system. So here we go. First up is tension and suspense. It's a film that really does have some good suspenseful moments throughout, but it's ruined for me with not. Just one shitty dream sequence that always pisses me off, but it has two. Two times in this film, things happen, which I've misspelt here as thongs happen, and that's hilarious. They turn out to not be true, and to me, that is straight up pathetic. Because it takes me out of the film once, and it takes you out twice, so much that you struggle to believe anything that's happening after. It's not just like a cheap easy go-to it feels lazy and it does ruin future suspense that happens in the film because why should i believe what's happening well hold on can i just stop you there yeah how how do we know that let's talk about the first dream i think dream sequence where she goes to the portrait and the hand comes through yeah that's the first one yeah how do we know that is not real how do we do you know what i mean it could be, it could be well for actually, one she would go and she would notice that the portrait is broken ah yes but he might have another replacement <laughs> just he's just carrying those portraits around in his back pocket mate <laughs> well no he's he's in the attic he might have painted it because he has the picture <laughs> maybe in, in the attic of his parents and him so he might have painted that portrait and put it on the wall maybe and then when she comes and he grabs him, or grabs her through it, and then she wakes up, because she would have been knocked out after being grabbed, he might have put her back in the bed and replaced the picture. 
Well, I'm not buying that. <laughs> I'm, I'm fully buying that. I like that as a kind of an idea. But yeah, she is there alone in this massive house, so she is going to be having weird dreams. I don't know why she'd be having weird dreams that someone's living in the walls. Yeah, well, yeah, that, I, um, I'm just not. I just not buying it. Even if we're made to believe that it's a dream when it's not really a dream. Yeah. It's oh, okay. It's still, yeah. I'm not buying it. I don't like dream. I don't like, oh, it was all a dream. Maybe if it's done really well and once Max in a film. Yeah. But twice is pushing it. Ah, uh, yeah, all right. Fair enough. So I did think it had good moments and I really liked the like the stuff under the door and the, the boy, dull Brahms moving around. Yeah. Which is crazy that a guy that size could sneak into the house and move a doll that quickly sometimes. Well, he has all these. He has all these little secret passageways, and that's why. Um, and ninja like, shoes. Well, no, it's probably best, but me. You're still gonna make some noise. Anyway, what are you giving nah, it? Attention, suspense. Um, I would like to give it one, please. You want to give it a full one? I want to give it a full one. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Want to give it a full one? <sighs> okay. But I, w- I might want some leeway later on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> What's next? Oh, next. I think we have... Uh, is it gore and visual effects? It is. Lovely. And this film does look really good. The setting is good. The doll is a really well-made, creepy-looking, porcelain freak of a thing. Yes. It's horrible. It looks at you by design, but not just the design of the doll, but in the way the film is shot with camera angles past people in the foreground to Brahms, the little bastard just sitting there, chilling out, staring at you through the whole goddamn film. Yeah, it just, it makes you, the way the doll's done, it makes you think that this doll is actually haunted, which I think is a really good point of the film yes yeah looking at one hand while they're pulling a trick with the other yeah the uh cinematography is great the scenery is well shot and the way they use light to set the tone of each scene is really quite impressive i noticed they used uh different lighting angles on brahms the doll to portray mood and that was a brilliant touch from the lighting guys and the director. They angled the light so that if he was in like a good mood, he was fully lit in soft light. If he was in a devious mood, they would angle the light to put like shadows under his eyes or whatever. Kind of like you do yeah. uh, with a torch by the campfire, but more subtle and better than that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was good. It's kind of showing us how Brahms in the wall, on a second watch, you you realise it's how Brahms in the wall is feeling has been portrayed on this doll's face. And the doll can't move, so that's quite clever. Absolutely, Uh, yeah. One last thing on visual effects is the camera tricks that were used a few times on filming for Brahms and or Greta, then shifting focus to something on the side of the shot or in the foreground, giving Brahms that, that little moment to shift when you can't see him. And then the camera comes back and is gone. Yeah. Obviously, in in real life, they just put in, the simple way of saying it is they're moving the camera to the side, so some some guy can come on 
to the set and take the doll away and then they move the camera back, but it's done really well. You don't really yeah. notice. Yeah. It's not an obvious twist of the camera and then move back and something's got like the mirror trick that's done in so many films. Someone's looking in a mirror, they look down at the sink and they look up and then suddenly there's someone behind them. Yeah. It wasn't that obvious kind of shift of the camera trick. So, I mean, there's no gore really apart from what at the end. I like the uh, the Brahms, the actual man. I think he looks like a cool kind of killer character. I think, yeah, I think like that was spot on when he when he smashed the mirror and he he, he sort of put his hands out of the the mirror and pulled himself through the frame and it's this fucking and he's wearing a porcelain yeah. gold face. I yeah. thought that's horrifying. That is that's a, that was a really that's a quite a scary image him crawling out of that frame with an actual porcelain face. I thought that was really good. Yeah. That's probably the how to make that scary. Yeah, I agree. I think he was good. And I would give it a point for gore and visual effects. Well, let's for visual effects, really, because the gore was neither here nor there. No, let's, yeah, let's give it, Is yeah, that... let's give it one for the uh, visual effects. Okay. What have we got next? I think it's performance. It is performance. Yes, performance. So we have Laura Lauren, sorry, Cohen, who is an American-born woman, brought up in the UK, so has an English accent, putting on an American accent to play an American woman living in the UK. <laughs> and we have Rupert Evans, an Englishman, who's playing an Englishman that I always thought was an American because of Man in the High Castle, so I was getting confused as shit, <laughs> trying to figure out who was doing what. Both are very good actors, not just because they can do accents. But Lauren Cohen really nailed the part. Rupert, not brilliant as Malcolm, not bad as Malcolm. I think we've got to give some uh, props to Mr. and Mrs. Hilshire as well. Okay. Mr. Hilshire played by Jim Norton. For being there on time. Eh? Was that for being there on time? (laughs) 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 but yeah we gotta give it i think they i think they played their characters very well we all know jim norton from being bishop brennan from uh father ted hey you're racist now father (laughs) i know that's not his line but that's what that just what comes to my mind every time we talk about father Father (laughs) crilly and uh diana hardcastle we played Mrs. Hillshire, she was very good. She played the uptight, posh English bitch very well. <laughs> yep. I think the only person worth really talking about in terms of whether we're giving this a star or not is Lauren. Yeah. we had to believe got... that she was generally starting to believe herself that a doll was possessed after her character had been completely dismissive of this weird doll she yeah. had to read to and... She did the whole thing quite masterfully, this gradual shift from it's just a doll, the old geezers are mental, to yeah. weird things that happen. Maybe my imagination is just taking over. And then ending up her being the one trying to convince Malcolm that this doll really is alive somehow. So she did great because it wasn't an obvious switch of tone throughout yeah. the film. It was a nice gradual change. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was. Absolutely, yeah. Um, what, what? No, you go. Uh, I've got nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I would give it one for performance, but it, it was close to getting a half, only because you've got one person in it who really stands out for me and everyone else was just there. I think, she, yeah, I think Lauren does stand out, but I think all the others, um, Malcolm and, and the the Heelshers and Brahms, I think they all add a little bit as well. I don't think that that nobody nobody's done a terrible performance. No, nobody's bad. Um, but I think, I think Lauren, is, Lauren is the standout, and I think all the others sort of help boost her role a bit more. Yes. So I, I, I'd give it a, I'd give it a star. Yeah, I think it deserves a star. I'm trying to balance the maths. But it's fine. <laughs> We're moving on. That's three stars. Next up, we've got the musical score and the sound effects. Well, first off, for sound effects, when Greta gets a phone call from Brahms asking her to come and play, it is unmistakably a child's voice. Yeah. No man can put that on. So how did that happen? Point. Well, he's probably been practicing for the last 20 years in his age. Yeah, there's only so much you can do with uh, testosterone fueled vocal cords. Maybe he's just squeezing his testicles off. Maybe. The score in general is fine. It's a well made score. Written by Bear McCreary, an American composer for TV, film, and games. He wrote the awesome theme for the awesome pirate series Black Sails. He's all, he's done a fucking lot. He has done a hell of a lot. Like, I don't think if if you're into horror and all uh, and stuff that been coming out, I don't I don't know how many years now, but you will always see Bear McCreary's name in the credits. Yeah, it's been it's been going for a while. I've not got the list in front of me, but I I'm just I'm just flashing back to every time I see because every time I see it, I think oh. Bear, that's an interesting name. Him I mean, know, uh, yeah, he's always there, and he's always. And this for me is, I think, is a really good. He's done a really good soundtrack because I don't normally remember soundtracks on the films. And you remember this but, one, but I remember this one, and I think, uh, yeah, and no, I, I think he's, he's done a really good job on it. Yeah, it is an interesting, eerie horror film score. I know I noted two films that he has done before, which I thought might be of uh, interest to you. He did a score for what? the Cloverfield Paradox. King, yes, yeah. And the new Child's Play, which I've not seen. I liked Cloverfield Paradox. I've not seen the new Child's Play, but I know you have. Yes, it's um, interesting. <laughs> Enough said. What are we giving it for... Musical oh, score and sound effects. It's tough. It's a tough one. We, we can't have this film ending up as a five out of five. No, we can't. <laughs> we can't. Um, oh, he did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And he does all the Walking Dead. Oh, he's done the Walking Dead. Stuff. Okay. Sorry, I'm still on bear just because of Happy yeah, Death. Yeah. Of course he did. I'm thinking half a star for this. Because I can't okay. remember it much at all. But then it seems harsh. Yeah. 
Fucking hell, it's got a massive list. Give it a half. It's got so many other films, he doesn't care. Yeah, and do I can't it. remember half. it. Half. Three and a half. Three and a half out of five. Yeah. Then we're moving on. Next up, we've got the all important overall experience. Alright. So, this film was better than I expected going into it. Releasing a horror film in January never sends a good signal of confidence from the studio that made it. I liked the twist okay. It was a bold move and a break from the usual haunted doll premise. But I, there's just something about this film that it's not amazing for me. It's not a bad film and I'm not trying to tear it down. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Okay. Is all I will say. I'm not blown away. Okay. What would you give the boy? Well, it was one of them, I said it before, it's one of them films that, because me and Nat, probably every Monday, Tuesday, and a Wednesday, it's film night, it's movie night, yep. horror film night. Especially on quarantine. Well, it definitely is now, even when it isn't. And uh, we go through these films, and it was always that. It was a film that we'd always go, oh, no, that's our shit. And it looks shit. And it's that classic judging that book by the cover. And we'd always go past it. And then one day it was like, right, we'll watch it. And it was like, oh, okay, this is just another fucking haunted doll shit. We've seen all the fucking Annabelle. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen Annabelle's and we've seen the Charles plays. Okay, this is different. This, this isn't anything different. And then. It was that bit of, oh, oh, holy shit, hold on a minute, he's living in the fucking wall, which is freaky, because it could actually happen. I did like the taking it in a different direction. Yeah. Whether they made it too obvious what the twist was early on in the film is up to each individual watching it, I think. Yeah, if, you, if you're perceptive and you've, and you've got it from what um, Jim Norton says right at the start, that... Our son is, he is here living with us. Yeah. You would have got it and you were going, oh, right, there's this guy, he's going to pop out of the walls in a minute. Yeah. But if you don't, if you don't get that straight away, then it's like you, you, you brought to believe, thought to believe that the doll is haunted. And then, hold on a minute, it's a killer, it, it's the guy in the wall, and he's wearing a porcelain mask. So I quite like that, and I enjoyed it, and I thought it, it was. It's better than the description that you get. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the back of the DVD. You read the back of the DVD and you go, oh, this woman goes and she has to look after a doll. Yeah. Oh, okay. But then it turns out better. Yeah. I agree with that. But okay. I just think you enjoyed it more than me. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the, yeah. uh, what's your verdict on overall experience? We are, what we are now, three and a half out well, of five? We're on three, we're on three and a half. Yes. Uh, the ball is in your court because I would, I would give it another half to make it four, but it's up to you. I. So you're making it a four. I would, ma- I would make it a four out of whatever our rating system is. Five or six. Okay, let's leave it as a four then. But it's on you if anyone ever says why do they give it a four? Yeah, I. Uh, I in could, my head, I it's a three. Sure. 
but also with overall experience, experience, I am I'm just flat with it. I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was great. So I can't take one away from it because it. I I have to actively not like a film to take one away from it. Yeah, and I have to but actively I, think I, it's awesome to give it one. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to if anyone wants to come at me because I gave it a four. I'm happy to. I'm I'm going to stand my ground and I'm going to give them some back. I'm happy to take that on and I will see them down in the, the wastelands of our country in a couple of months when we have no uh, streaming services and we're all trying to eat f***ing beans out of a tin can. You know what, the- if there's electricity, I've got the boy on DVD. Oh, we, won't have any, we, won't have any, we won't have any power, we'll be down. It's going to be like Fallout, okay. but less exciting. It's just because everyone's died of a cough. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> it's a film choice time, and I don't like it, but we've got to do it. Shit! Hold on. Whose choice is it? It's your choice. Ah, oh, you're gonna have to pause because I totally forgot about this. <laughs> All right, we'll pause. We're back in a sec. Right, I'll give, yeah, I'll give you a ring back in three minutes. Okay. All right, bye. Pick something easy. <laughs> Right, I'm back after all of the weird stuff in the world that's been going on. I forgot to pick a f***ing film, but I've done it now while I was doing a wee. So are you ready for this? Uh, sure. Okay. I think it's quite apt, but it will be when you watch it anyway. Okay. So here we go. This is the IMDB description. Good luck. Uh, thank you. A family's Christmas takes a strange turn when they awake to find themselves trapped inside and begin receiving mysterious instructions through the television. Okay, say it all again. A family's Christmas takes a strange turn when they awake to find themselves trapped inside and begin receiving mysterious instructions through their television. Um, I recognise it. Okay. And it's something I think I've seen, but I can't remember the name of. Oh, go on. Tickle it out. Go on, boy. Tickle it out. <laughs> it's a weird one, isn't it? It is a weird it's one. It's a weird one. Oh, shit, Jimmy. It's very good. I don't think I'm going to get it. I think you're going to have to tell me. I don't think it's going to come. Okay. I think I've seen it or I've seen a trailer for it and it's um there's something outside the house or around the house. Oh, you yeah, you yeah, you are. Um, no, I can't remember the name of it for shit, so giggles though. Okay, so it's the 2018 horror sci-fi film called Await Further Instructions. Okay. Yeah, the name does ring a bell. I think it was during a spate of stuff I watched a long time ago. Well, not a long time ago. When I say a long time ago, I mean about six months. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. UK. It's a UK film. It's filmed in uh, Yorkshire. I'm surprised it was 2018, though. I remember being older. Like, a lot older. But I watched a lot of, you know, the old Prime stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched through a lot of that at the same time as well. This is a banger. You can watch it on Netflix. Get it done. Oh, this is not even a prime one. 
Anyway, what's it called? Await further instructions. Await further instructions. I think it's very f***ing apt for the time that we're living in. Okay. I mean, you know what? I might have just seen the trailer for this because I don't remember it. But okay. I'll find out. Yeah. And we will see everyone. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you to everyone for listening to our first full-length podcast since disaster struck the world and we're no longer allowed to step outside our houses for fear of getting a cough and dying. Yeah. Attached to a ventilator if there's one going. So thanks for sticking with us. We will see you next time. Keep on listening to our isolation episodes that we will hopefully be doing more. I've got some interviews lined up, but I think they might be done by the time this comes out, so it's irrelevant. Who knows what's going to be the world's going to be like by the time this episode comes out in about three, four weeks. Yeah, it's exciting. So thank you for joining us for this episode, at least, and hopefully we'll see you for the next episode and all future episodes. But specifically our next episode, we will see you for await further instructions. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, good night. Thank you. See you soon. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review if you are so inclined. An honest one. And we will see you next time on the Madhouse Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Be my pants. You're in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Bye. Ah, it's just not the same anymore. <laughs> not now I know there's pants. <laughs> Bye.